We're going to be looking at um, 1 Samuel um, 17 this morning. And we're going to look at the faith of a man after God's own heart. I'm going to give you a little test this morning. It's very easy. I'm going to say something and then you're going to give me what you think follows it. Okay? If I say Adam and... Very good. If I say Cain and... And you're going to say David and... You got it. There we go. That's what we're looking at today. David and Goliath. The story is perhaps the most famous story in all of David's life. Many years ago when Rachel and Sharon and Luke were just young children, they, I, I would go into the room and tell them a bedtime story, and this was often their favorite. Tell us about David and Goliath, Dad. And so I would go into their room, and I would get down on my knees, and I would act out the part of David, you know, like this, looking, looking up at, this, at the sky for how tall David is, and then I'd climb up as high as I could get. I won't do it on the chair, because, you know... I'll, they were Goliaths in my mind this morning. Uh, you know, I mean, giants, let's put it that way. Not Goliaths, but they were giants in what they did. But I'd get up as tall as I could and make myself be Goliath. And the kids had heard the story so many times. And I, and I would say, and David said, and then they would in unison go, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And, <laughs> and then I would... Uh, take out my sling and act like I was David swinging it and it would hit in the forehead and I'd grab my forehead and they would start giggling because they knew I'd fall down. I would always fall over a bed because I didn't want to hurt myself. And they would squeal in delight as the defeat of the giant Goliath, the enemy of the Lord. Well, it's more than a bedtime story. It really happened about 3,000 years ago. It's the second major battle with the Philistines in King Saul's career. The armies of the Philistines and the armies of Israel gathered together uh, on opposite sides of a creek in the valley of Elah. Now, I don't know if you... Luke, do you have the picture you can show us here? Looks something like that. There we go. Okay. So <clears throat> the uh, first couple of verses of, um, there we go. The first couple of verses of chapter 17 describe for us in detail where this took place. And so it tells us that it was between, uh, I'm going to say it as closely as I can to Noah, or something like that. If you keep going in there, you get the, you get the right word, okay? Between uh, Soka, if you want to call it that, and Azika down here. And then uh, Saul's camp was on this hill side over here and the Philistine camp in whatever the pronunciation is of that. All right. In between, there is a creek. There's just a small riverbed that um, is still there to this day. And uh, they met together in the valley of Elah. So just so you get an idea of what it looked like, you know, we, we often have pictures, but that's, that's the real place. Uh, chapter 17, and I just want to point out a couple of things here. 1 Samuel 17, and um, we'll look at verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. Again, they describe where it is. But 
the, the phrase I want you to notice here is they gathered together at Sokka, which belongs to Judah. Belongs to Judah. This was the land that the Lord had given the tribe of Judah. But Israel was not enjoying the inheritance that God had given her. Instead, they were living in fear. Fear of the circumstances. Fear of their lives being disrupted by attacks. Fears of losing their income or their livelihood, their crops, their herds, their livestock, their houses, and their land. Fear of the enemy gripped them. And uh, in recent years, many of the Jews had fled across the Jordan River when uh, Saul had called them to, to come out and, and attack uh, um, years before this. And it says in 1 Samuel thirteen seven that they uh, hid in caves. They hid in holes in the ground. And some of them fled to the other side of the Jordan River. They were afraid of their enemies. They were living in fear. They were terrorized by their enemies. Believers... Are you enjoying the blessing of God, the blessings that God has promised to you? Are you anticipating the inheritance that you have right around the corner? It's something that God has promised to us. Or are you living like the Israelites, gripped with fear? Are you afraid of the circumstances that are beyond your control? Do you fear losing your house, your land, your livelihood because of circumstances beyond your control because of the economic times that we live in are you fearful are you afraid of what the future holds for you or is there some enemy in your life that looms bigger than life the question is not do we face difficult circumstances and trials for that the bible says is common to all men the question is when we face difficult circumstances and trials do we have faith in god that's the question david was surrounded by a nation that had almost given up all hope they had lost significant amount of land that god had given to them uh, if you remember when um, joshua went into the land they took possession um, over and over again of land that god had promised them but in recent years they had lost much territory that God had already given to them. They were facing economic hardships because of their enemies. They experienced terrorist attacks from their enemies. But in this depressing scene, David had an uncomplicated, childlike faith in the Lord. The Bible says to us as believers, have faith in God. Have faith in God. And so today we want to look at that attribute or that characteristic of David, the faith of a man after God's own heart. David was a man of faith. And you say, well, what is faith? Well, let me, let me describe it this way to you in light of this passage. Faith knows that what God promises he will do, faith believes that what God says is true, and faith demands the surest evidence and finds it right here in the Word of God. Faith demands God's Word. Now, David lived in a time that was quite different than our time. We have a Bible that has 66 books in it. David did not. What books were written at the time of 1 um, Samuel, do you think? 
the Pentateuch, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, first five books, Joshua, okay? So we know that at least six books were written at this time. That's all he had. David describes the Word of God and his love for the Word of God that it's sweeter than honey and even the honeycomb. So he spent time in the Word of God. He spent time meditating on what he had of God's Word. And that was the first six books at least. So I want to think about it from David's perspective. What promises did he have that he could claim? What did he know that God had promised that he could claim? So the first passage I want to look at is uh, Deuteronomy 31. And this has to do with um, Moses speaking. Deuteronomy 31. And Moses tells them, the Israelites, that the Lord was going to go before them, that he was going to destroy their enemies, and they were going to possess the land. And uh, verse 5 Deuteronomy 31 verse 5 says the Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you be strong and of good courage do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God he is the one who goes with you he will not leave you nor forsake you then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel be strong and of good courage for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Now I can imagine David meditating on a passage like that out in the field one day and thinking, wow, God Himself has spoken. God Himself has worked through our forefathers. God Himself promised this land, the very land that I am. I have my my sheep on that are feeding uh, from from the uh, the grasses here and drinking from the water god gave this to us god promised it and bless his name he fulfilled his promise and they he probably heard in fact bethlehem was one of the areas where the philistines came against they would come and steal uh crops from them as they brought them in at the end of the season and he must have wondered why is israel like this why is israel in defeat when God has clearly promised that He wants Israel to possess the whole land. Well, Joshua chapter 1, many of us love this passage and claim it ourselves. Um, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Joshua was Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. He then describes the entire territory that he's going to give to them. And he says, I will not leave you, verse 5, nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all that uh, all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. 
Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I'm sure that as David read passages like this or meditated on a passage like this, he says, I've got the word of God. I've got the promises of God. And I can believe that what God has said, he will fulfill. He will do. I believe God. Why is it that the nation doesn't believe God? Why is it that the Israelites are so afraid of their enemies when God has clearly given us this command? So David had a word from the Lord. God had given the land to the Israelites. It was theirs. The passage we looked at in 1 Samuel 17 says that. It was Judah's land. It was theirs. The Lord repeated the command both in Deuteronomy and in Joshua. And he says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Believers, we have a similar command. In Matthew 28, it says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And yes, just like Joshua and just like Moses and just like the children of Israel, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why should we fear in accomplishing God's purposes? Why should we be afraid in doing what God has told us to do? For the Bible says in Hebrews 13, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What, is ma- or what can man do to me? And faith seizes upon the promises of God and does not retreat. But there sure wasn't much faith in Israel in David's day. They had forgotten the promises of God. They were consumed by fear. And they had a giant problem. Seriously. And the giant's name was Goliath. So, here's the scene. You saw the picture. Saul gathered together his armies on one side of, on on one hill. And Goliath and the Philistines gathered together on the hill on the other side of the creek, on the other side of the, the, the stream there. And the armies faced off. And the Philistines issued an ultimatum to Israel through Goliath, their giant spokesman. Now, he was a man who was about nine feet, six inches, or nine feet, nine inches tall, somewhere in that range. Uh, this is six foot, eight inches tall. Okay, That's how tall this door is. That's more. Nine foot nine, if I stood on this chair, I'm not nine feet, nine inches tall. He would be taller than this. Okay, this is what, uh, six, seven and a half feet. So add another foot and a half, and that's how tall he is. He was a big man. He was a giant. And he stood in the way of Israel accomplishing what God intended them to accomplish. That was to take possession of all of the land. In 1 Samuel 17, let's take a look at this passage here. And we'll begin reading in verse 5. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. Now, let me stop here. This is not the post office mail that we're talking about, okay? (laughs) Mail is interlocking chains um, that protect, protect one. Uh, this particular uh, coat of mail that he had was probably about 125 pounds um, on him. So you can imagine the weight of this thing, but that means that the links of the chain are very close together so that they can't penetrate it 
with a, um, with a sword or, or spear or something like that. This past week, I took mom and dad up to the uh, castle up in uh, St. Helena uh, in the Napa Valley. And this, there's a man who spent the last 15 years building a castle. And in it, it has a dungeon and so on in there. We went down into the dungeon. And they had a coat of mail uh, attached to the wall. And it was very, very heavy just to lift the bottom portion of it, just to feel the weight of it. But it was to protect them against uh, enemy uh, attacks. So 125 pounds there. So uh, verse 6. And he had, a bron- he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, uh, 15 pounds. That's what we're talking about. And the shield bearer went before him. So imagine this again, add another foot and a half to my height here, and have somebody coming to attack you. Now it's not that you come to me directly to fight me as, as Goliath. But you've got to go past my armor bearer first. And so if you look at a line of sight and you see the line of sight, you have a person who is standing in front of Goliath with a shield as large as it can possibly be to protect himself. But that shield in that line of sight also protects Goliath behind him. And so he is very well fortified. He's like a walking um, army machine. So, verse 8, Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, (laughs) you can just see him mocking them, the servants of Saul. Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. Now, he never thought that would happen. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. What a mocker. Now, we know that God does not waste words in the Scripture. So why is it that we have 31 verses in Genesis chapter 1 that describe for us his creation of all that exists. And here in this chapter, we have 58 verses describing one battle. God doesn't waste words. I believe the Lord has written this for our instruction so that we might respond in faith to the giants in our life. You see, the Lord wants us to trust Him. And He often places us in situations that seem larger than life. And he wants us to respond in faith to him. He wants us to trust him. And this story shows us that faith overcomes every single obstacle in our, in our uh, path. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe and you shall receive them and you will have, and you will have them. If there is something that stands before you and the accomplishment of God's purposes in your life, God's will Um, 
Yeah, if there's something that stands between you and God's purposes in your life, have faith in God. Say to this mountain, be removed, and it will be cast into the sea. The Philistines had invaded Israel's land. They had taken what God had given to them. The Philistines had taken what rightfully belonged to Israel. So why didn't Saul and his army just take it back? What stood in the way? A man, a single man named Goliath. One man defied a whole army. One man caused Israel to shrink in fear. One man confronted them. And one man challenged their faith in God. But he wasn't just a man. He was a giant. So common sense tells you not to go out against him. Not to battle him. And so God painstakingly lists all of the reasons why they didn't want to go to battle against him. And that's why we have these details about his, his clothing and, and what he looked like and how tall he was and all of these things. These were the reasons that the Israelites were afraid. These were the things that caused fear and a lack of faith. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. Don't you get it? You can't fight someone like that. That's what they thought. A mountain of a man. And after all, he has a bronze bronze helmet on his head. How can we, even if we could get to him and swing a sword at him, if we had swords, how could we defeat him? Impervious to blows to the head. He wore the coat of mail. Sometimes people call it a coat of scale, and that's maybe a better description of it. It's almost overlapping the way it looks. He was a walking war machine, full body armor. Even his legs were covered with bronze. His hands were free to use the javelin or to use the sword because he had his own armor bearer. He wasn't even controlling his, his own armor. I mean, his own uh, shield, I should say. He had a shield bearer before him. So his hands were free to do battle. He had a javelin with a 15-pound tip on it. And I certainly don't want to be the one that, that feels it. And I think all of Israel felt the same way. And so to attack Goliath would have to uh, overcome, first of all, his shield bearer, and then to confront the giant. It was impossible. And all Israel knew it. Their faith was challenged for 40 days. In the Scripture, uh, the number 40 is often used as a period of testing. Moses, 40 days. Uh, 40 years in the wilderness, testing there too, and so on. And uh, for 40 days, Goliath bragged that he was the champion and they were the losers. I think he invented that song. We are the champion. You know, that one? (laughs) 40 days he mocked Saul. Saul was the tallest, remember? He was the tallest man in Israel. Uh, He stood stood, uh, head and shoulders above the rest. For 40 days he defied the armies of Israel. For 40 days he challenged their faith in God. And for 40 days he prevailed. David had to overcome a few obstacles himself. David wasn't there for most of this. David, as we uh, saw last week, uh, played music to calm Saul's uh, troubled spirit. And then he would go back and take care of his father's sheep. So he was back at his father's um, home at this point. And his father said to him one day, why don't you go see how your brothers are doing? 
There's three of them. Three of his older brothers uh, were out fighting the battle. Actually, the three of his older brothers were standing on the other side in fear and trembling. He says, go see how they're doing and take some provisions with you and give it to them. So David uh, took the provisions, went out to see his brothers. And uh, he arrived there. And when he arrived, he saw how Israel feared this giant. And uh, he heard the mocking of Goliath. And he says, who will take a stand against him? Why isn't anybody fighting him? Where is Saul? Why aren't you guys going out after this guy? What's the matter with you? I don't get this. Why are you standing here in fear? You're the people of God. You're the nation of Israel. Why don't you stand up and fight? And uh, he was told in all of this that, you know what, the king has made a, made a promise that if somebody goes up against him and defeats him, he's going to give his daughter in marriage. You're kidding, really? Is that really true? And he went from one person to another. And he came to his brothers and says, is this really happening? Yeah, it's happening. What are you doing here, David? What's the matter with you? Why aren't you back there with your few sheep? Why aren't you taking care of your father's stuff? And that's the kind of thing that he had to, to face. A few obstacles to David's faith. There was fear all around him. Fear in all of the camp. Another challenge to David's faith came, as I said, from his own family. His brothers mocked him and they said, Who do you think you are, shepherd boy? What do you think you're doing here? Proud and insolent. He was despised and rejected by his own family. The next test of his faith came from King Saul. We see that in um, verse 31. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. Saul should have been leading Israel to defeat Goliath. But for 40 days, he demonstrated that he had no faith in God. And he became another obstacle to David's faith. He said, you are not able to go against this Philistine. You are not able to fight against him. You are a youth. You're too young. You're too inexperienced. You're not a warrior. Goliath has been a warrior from his youth. David, you have too many personal disabilities, inabilities, liabilities, or what other other kind of illities there are. You don't have what it takes. You cannot do it. And that's the uh, confrontation to David's faith there. But faith answers all of these obstacles with one simple solution and you know what that is i trust in the living god i trust in the living god nothing else you have to say matters faith answers all obstacles when you put god in the equation is god calling you to serve by the way who does god call to serve here's what it says in first corinthians for you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. 
And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. That's whom God chooses. David answers each objection by faith. Goliath's challenge to him and to all of Israel is answered in verse 10. It says this, And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And David's answer of faith is found in verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Faith responds uh, to this injustice. So the other objection was by his brothers, his brothers who mocked him. But his answer of faith is found in verse 29. And David said to them, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? David's faith suggests that the Lord had spoken about this matter and he is going to uphold God's word. Faith believes in the word of God. And to Saul's objection, David answers in verse 32. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And then again in verses 34 and so on, it says, But David said to Saul, when, when uh, Saul said to him, Look, you're just a youth. Who are you? Who do you think you are that you can go out against this, this giant? And this is what David said to Saul. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be, will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord, listen carefully to how he says this, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Notice how David credits God for his earlier victories. He wasn't boasting about his own accomplishments. He didn't go, hey, Saul, <laughs> I once killed a lion, you know. I once killed a bear. Bare hands. <laughs> I did it. He didn't say that. He said what he did, but he gave credit to the Lord. It was the Lord who delivered me in my earlier victories, and it is the same Lord who will deliver me in this victory. Faith looks at God's faithfulness in the past and counts on God for his provision for the future. That's what faith does. It says, you know what? I've experienced something like this before. Oh, it was much smaller because God isn't going to be satisfied with our little faith. Okay, and we shouldn't be either. God wants us to trust him, not just for the little things in life, but he wants us to trust him more and more and more as we grow in him. And so he gives us little tests, yes. And they seem like mountains to us. They seem like Goliaths to us when we're young in the faith. And they seem so big. But when we trust him and we see that God is able to give us the victory in these small things, we look back and say, you know what? He helped me there. He gave me the victory over that. 
he can help me and give me the victory in the greater challenges of life as well. David proved God in private, and now he would prove God in public. If we run at the sight of the bear or of the lion, we will not be able to stand up against Goliath. Public victories come as a result of private victories. So David first had to defeat the lack of faith in Israel, and then in his brothers, and then in King Saul, before he took on the challenge of Goliath. Okay, And so he overcame those with, with uh, faith. Now there's another obstacle to faith. Saul said, tell you what, put my armor on you. Saul, it's your armor. Why aren't you out there? He, he wouldn't even use his own armor. Saul wasn't com- confident to fight in his own armor. How would it protect David? But David went out armed with his confidence in God. So verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand, that's a stick, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come out to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give you your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David picked up five stones. Was he afraid he'd miss? Just in case? Well, I don't think so. He needed one stone to defeat Goliath. But Goliath, depending on your translation, had either four brothers or four sons. The word, I think, is, is, is undetermined. But in either case, he had four relatives, giants, just like him. And I think David knew that. And I think David felt that if he, had, he could use one for, for one, and he'd need four more for the other four who would come after him. And he was ready for them as well now it was time for faith's greatest test against the enemy and i love the fact that god allows us to know exactly what david was thinking in the heat of the battle we don't often get that but here we know exactly what he was thinking because he says it out loud it reveals david's faith in god more clearly i think than anything else in this passage verse 45 then david said to the philistine you come to me with a sword with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Wow. His confidence in the Lord. It's so strong. His faith in the Lord is so real. David went out in the name of the Lord to defend the Lord's honor, the Lord's name. David is fearless in battle. 
because his confidence is not in himself. His confidence is in God. And he not only speaks in faith, but now he acts in faith. Verse 48, So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hastened, that means he went fast, and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He wasn't afraid. He was running towards him quickly. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. Remember I said several weeks ago that he had a lot of time on his hand out in that field uh, taking care of his uh, flocks by night and all the rest of it. And I'm sure he practiced target practice over and over again. Never did he realize that all of that target practice for fun out in the field would come in handy on a day like this. But he used it to protect his sheep. And now the Lord uses it to protect all of Israel. And imagine again the line of sight that we talked about. You've got the shield bearer in front. You've got basically Goliath is, is, is uh, blind to David behind the shield. He's fully armored except for just a small spot right here. Okay, that's it. A moving target. And David's moving. And it's a sling with a stone. And with one shot, right where it counts. And it sunk deep into his head, and he fell over. And David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him, and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Get that picture again real quick? So it shows here the Philistines' flight down the road here. It's the only way of escape as the armies all of a sudden were emboldened by David's faith and the armies of uh, the Philistines fled and they chased them down the road here uh, away from the, the battlefield. And there was quite a slaughter that day. David's faith was contagious. And that's what happens, brothers and sisters. When you trust God, when you believe God, your faith is contagious to other believers. And you say, you know what? I saw what the Lord did in your life. I saw how the Lord answered your prayer. I saw how God answered and, and protected you. I saw how God healed you. I saw how God took care of your family in a time of need. I saw that. And it emboldens others <coughs> in their faith in God as well. David's faith in God was contagious. Once the Philistine champion was down, the rest of Israel rose up and uh, defeated their enemies. And David, uh, the Lord gave David great victory that day when we believe god when we act in faith we are contagious and that's the kind of contagious to be other believers look on and are encouraged what was david's response to this great victory some have suggested that he wrote psalm 9 at this time it's a psalm that gives god praise it's an appropriate psalm. The first few verses talk about uh, his great, of um, uh, his thankfulness to the Lord. It says in Psalm 9, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. For you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne judging in righteousness. David often wrote songs about events in his life, and this one seems appropriate 
for this event. Once again, we, uh, last week we uh, heard a song that Keith Green wrote, and we'll hear another one this morning. And uh, if you know it, I want you to sing along with it. It's, a psalm, it's psalm 9. The words are slightly different than uh, in your version, I think, of the Bible, but um, we can sing along with it as well. Okay? I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all thy wonders. I will be glad and exalt in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, Lord Most High. And rejoice in thy salvation, I will be glad and exalt in thee. I will trust in you, my God, who delivered me and lifted me from the gates of death, I will be glad and exalt in thee. Give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all thy wonders. I will be glad and exalt in thee. I will tell of all thy wonders. I will be glad and exalt in thee. How many have heard that? Two, three, okay. <laughs> All right, so, well, we, um, I think it was probably a very jubilant song. Very, very happy at what the Lord had done through him. David, a man after God's own heart. We've seen the faith of a man after God's own heart this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the account of David's life and how he trusted you to defeat one of Israel's great enemies, Lord. And we just thank you that it was you who gave him the victory. Thank you that he trusted in you. And Lord, we think of the contagious faith that he had that caused Israel to stand up and and go after their enemies. And I pray, Lord, that our faith might be just as contagious, that uh, believers would look on and that they would... Uh, trust in you more and more. Lord, help us to be men and women of faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.